Welcome to Taking the Lead Podcast, where we provide discussion which will motivate and inspire individuals to place themselves first on the priority list. This is your host, Pamela Burkett-Jones, career strategist, certified coach, consultant, speaker, and professor. Today, we'll be focusing on the interview. I'd like to welcome my guest, William Craig III. He is a career trainer with over 20 years of experience in working with professionals at every level. But most importantly, he is the man who wants to take you from where you are to where you want to be. Welcome to the show today, William Craig. Well, thank you so much, Ahmed. I am so excited to be on the air with Pamela Burkett-Jones, the effervescent and most talented, and I am just ready to, to spew out information that's going to be of some value for your listeners. Oh, thank you, thank you. So now I'm interested. You've been doing this for over 20 years, working with individuals and uh, preparing them for their next careers and, and moving them to where they really wanted to be. Now, what, how, what made you uh, want to do this? What started you on this journey? So <clears throat> I guess the, the way I usually tell this story is I was about nine years old when my dad sat me down and said, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I said, I want to teach. And at the time, I had a, a little business plan uh, sketched out because I played trumpet, and I was first first seat. And uh, I was going to teach other kids how to play the trumpet and, and make like $5 a week uh, teaching them. And, and my dad said, uh, well, you can't make any money teaching. Teachers don't make any money. My dad had some, some money issues. And so he said, he gave me two choices. He said, you can be a baseball player because if you uh, have a 300 batting average, meaning that you get to first base out of 10 times, you get to first base three times out of 10, you have a million-dollar contract. And that's that's true to this day. And uh, the other choice, he said, was because I read well and I spoke well, he said, you can become a lawyer because uh, lawyers get to charge by the hour. You get billable hours. And so, uh, well, went back to mom, told mom what dad said, and, and mom said, well, you can't be can't be a lawyer because uh, lawyers are liars and God doesn't like liars. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, the other part with the baseball, well, I tried swinging at the ball and a couple of times hit myself in the head. So the hand-eye coordination just wasn't what it needed to be for that. But I knew in my heart, and this is where I'm going with this, I knew in my heart from a young age what I was supposed to do. And I just didn't have the, the direction and the guidance. And it wasn't until much later in life that I had an opportunity. I, I literally answered an ad in the newspaper for a training, uh, training opportunity to be a trainer, having had no real experience, no official experience, no training, no pedigree, no uh, degree, no certification. But I knew I could do it. I taught Sunday school and and so uh, I went and interviewed, and, and the guy gave me a shot, and the rest, as they say, is his story. Wow. Now, today we're going to, and you said the right word, today we're going to talk about the interviewing process. And the interviewing is so, I mean, it's one thing that a lot of people are so afraid of. You know, they get the call and say, we want you to come in and interview with us, and and people just stomp at that point. They got their resume together. They have it all 
or the wording on paper, but then now they're saying, okay, how can I, you know, present myself so I can be considered for the job? And so, so many times people really, really stumble at the interviews or, and, or when it's time to get ready for the interview and they don't know how to do it. And that's one of your specialties is getting the people prepared. So what are some of the most important things that you tell your trainees um, to do um, when they're preparing for an interview? What are some of the things? Well, they got to do the research. Uh, I, I've got a free guide that I give away uh, that's called the top three things that bi uh, businesses and uh, hiring managers want you to know but won't tell you. And you you got to do your research. And if you don't do your research, then you're not going to fare well. You, you could have, you know, your resume done, but there are really three aspects to doing the research. And uh, that's, that's, that's one piece of it, doing your research. The other thing is being able to know what your value is. Uh, a lot of people don't know what their value is. And there are some people, while they may have an idea of what their value is, they're not skillful in sharing that value. So even if you know what your value is, but you can't intelligently speak to it, it does not help you in the interview. And so doing your research, knowing your value, and being able to share your value in the interview are really the key things that you need to be prepared and to, to be able to speak with confidence. Because that's what I find most people most people are afraid, and the reason why they're afraid is because, mm -hmm. A, haven't done their research, B, they don't know their value or they're not able to articulate their value, and, and so they sit across intimidated as opposed to having a conversation uh, between professionals. Let's break down the research a little bit. When they're doing their research, what's the, you know, what are the maybe a few key things that they should know about the company before sitting down in that chair? Or well, agency. The, the the first thing is, if at all possible, you want to try and find out who the hiring manager is. And this is because you want to do research on that person, that individual. Find out as much as you can about them. Not always the easiest thing to do, but certainly in today's world of technology, it is definitely possible. And you have social media that connects us. And so Whereas we used to talk about six degrees of separation, you remember that? Yes. Now, yes. It, it, quite honestly, it could be just one or two degrees of separation. And so, in other words, you, in your, within your network, you may know someone who knows this person or know someone who knows someone. And at the end of the day, you've got to try and find out something about that person because that hiring manager is the person that you've got to impress. Even if there's a panel interview, the hiring manager is the person who makes a decision as to whether or not uh, you're going to be a member of the team. So that's the first part of the research, trying to find out who the hiring manager is, learn something about them so that you can relate to them person to person, professional to professional. Then the next thing is, yeah, you definitely need to know something about the company, but not just, you know, when they were founded, how many employees they have. Uh, one of the big mistakes that people make is trying to focus on things like benefits. Uh, 
you know, at the end of the day, the benefits package is something that's negotiable. So we don't even mm-hmm. we don't even get into that kind of information up front. What we're trying to find out is where's the company going? How do I see this position fitting into where the company's going? Is this a position that I can grow in if you're looking to grow? Or is this a position that basically is going to go nowhere? Uh, you know, I, I know of a young lady who was actually let go from a job because she refused to grow. And mm. uh, some people are looking to get into a position and just become comfortable, wherein that hiring manager may be looking for someone who can actually grow. And so you need to know what the expectation is as it relates to that position. And, again, all, all of this information can be found out by doing some research. Okay. And then when you talk about value, how would, some, how would you suggest someone to really, really zone in and focus on their value so they can present it out into, you know, when they're actually having the interview? Well, Really, Pamela, that's that's the first step. That's the first wheel in this cog, if you will, because you you have to know what you bring to the table, and that is really a compilation of information around what you've done in the past. What you you know, Janet Jackson had a song, "What Have You Done for Me Lately?" <laughs> right. So, mm-hmm. what have you done lately, or what have you done over your career? that you really excelled in. One of the things that, and I know you guys probably talked about resumes already, but I just got to hit it for just a moment. One of the problems that I see most resumes is that the resumes are a laundry list of of duties and tasks as opposed to accomplishments. And so if you know what your accomplishments have been over your career – now you're able to bring some some level of, first of all, confidence, but some level of professionalism to the conversation to say, hey, if I've done this for others, I can do the same thing for you. And, and that's where we tie back into knowing what the company is all about and what they're looking for so that now you can take those skills, be it transferable skills or direct skills, to say, you you know what, Miss um, uh, Burkett, you know what, I bring this to the table, and, and my understanding of what this position is going to require is X, Y, and Z. Because I've done A, B, and C, it, it's a natural fit. Does that make sense? Yes, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. And we're going to stand by for a second. Now, thanks for tuning in with uh, William Craig III. We're going to take a short break, and we'll come right back. Hello, this is Dr. Frederick Clark. I am introducing my new podcast called The Dentist is in the House. Well, tune in every Sunday evening at 6 o'clock. We're going to be, going to be discussing oral health, dentistry. We're going to be bringing um, lots of information, helpful information to you learn about oral health and um, everything you need to know about it. Tune in every Sunday at 6 o'clock for the Dentist in the House podcast. Thanks for hanging in there with us. We're back with Mr. William Craig III. Okay, Mr. Craig, we were talking about values before we went on a break. 
Now, one thing I do know is some people just are not comfortable with actually displaying and um, really voicing out their values and talking about themselves. I know that it's, it's more popular that people aren't than they are. So they don't, they miss that part. So what kind of things that you actually talk with your trainees and, and your clients to try to get them more comfortable where they're actually able to, if you may, sell themselves? Um, Absolutely. So what are some of the things that you kind of help them to get prepared and get over that hurdle of not being, you know, being humble or not being comfortable with doing that? So here's the deal. At the end of the day, you, you use the right phrase, sell themselves. What every candidate has to understand is that they are, at this point, a commodity. And it's just like if you ever go to the grocery store and let's say you're looking for a cleaner uh, for for the house, you walk down that aisle and you get all different kinds of cleaners. You get liquid cleaners, you've got powdered cleaners, you got cleaners that come in a round box, you got cleaners that come in a, a, a square box, you got cleaners that come in a glass bottle, cleaners that come in a plastic bottle. And at the end of the day, they're all cleaners. But here's the thing. Each one of those cleaners has some sort of value proposition. And so you have to know, again, what your value proposition is. So that being said, part of it comes down to all the other things that we've already said, but now you're going to have to actually rehearse some things. You're going to have to rehearse what those value propositions are that you bring to the table. And so what I do with my clients, my students, I like to call them, what I do with my students is we actually spend time having them rehearse how to talk about themselves. And this is, I think, one of the things that really helps. I've seen I've seen people come into uh, my classroom and really just afraid. Uh, I've had, had a woman in class who had been at the phone company for 29 years, had never had a job interview. And mm-hmm. so the whole premise of having a job interview just scared the dickens out of her. And there was a point in the class where I looked over at her, and I could tell by the look on her face, I said, you want to quit, don't you? And she just kind of stared at me and smiled, and I said, guess what? I'm not going to let you quit because you can do this. And fast forward the story, by the time she finished the class, not only did she go out and do what what uh, I had instructed her to do, uh, yes, she was a little nervous about it because it, it, it was different for her, but at the end of the day, she understood that it was the key to her success. And she did it, and she was hired. And uh, she, even though she was hired, she got a job and she really didn't like it so much, but she stayed and guess what? She applied for another job and she got that job. And uh, my last I checked in, uh, she was enjoying the position that she had. So, you know, and, I, and I've got other stories like that. But at the end of the day, the thing that's going to make you most comfortable is A, having the knowledge and B, Practicing, especially if you're not one that 
uh, comfortable in talk, talking about yourself, it's not so much about you. And here's a key point. Mm-hmm. It's not so much about you. It's about what you can do for the company. Yeah. I had another student yeah. who coined a, a phrase, and I love it, and I use it all the mm-hmm. time. She said, you have to show them why you're the aspirin for their headache. And I love that phrase because when I did my research on headaches, family, do you know how many types of headaches there are? Uh, I always thought it was one, <laughs> the, the <laughs> pounding one that pounds on your head. I didn't think it was okay. actually any different. <laughs> there are over 150 different types of headaches. So wow. here we go. That speaks to why there are so many different types of headache medicines on, in the marketplace. And so at the end of the day, when you figure out what kind of headache that employer has, then you begin to talk comfortably about why you are the specific type of aspirin that they need to cure their headache. Wow, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Wow. Now, what are some of the most common mistakes you see, you know, some of the, when you talk to some of your students and, you know, being in the work, being in this field for like t- over 20 years, what are some of the most common mistakes you see people um, do on interviews or you've heard that is is, is kind of like stands out in the, in the marketplace? Well, I got to tell you, the the biggest mistakes, or, or that people don't do the things that we just talked about. That That's the biggest mm-hmm. mistake. Most people, they get a resume done. Either they do it themselves or they hire somebody to do it or they get family member, whatever, but they get someone else to do it for them. And uh, and then they they go online maybe and, and look up maybe some questions, uh, interview questions, and that's pretty much it. And then they go to the interview. And they try and wing it. They literally mm-hmm. sit in front of a person or a panel, and they just wait for for the questions to come, and then they just hope and pray that they're going to answer them the right way. And that's just not that's just not the way to do it. So the, those are the biggest mistakes. They don't do the things that we've already talked about. But aside from that, I, I've found that people will oftentimes take a professional setting and make it personal. And while I certainly want you to be a person and show your personality in the interview, you are first and foremost a professional. So what do I mean by that? So when people say things like, okay, well, uh, Pamela, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? And they say, oh, sure. Well, I'm a native Washingtonian, uh, third generation, I've got uh, six children and and three lovely grandkids. I could just eat them up. Uh, Okay, stop. (laughs) This is not about your personal life. I'm interviewing you because I want to know what you bring to the table. And so whether you were born in Washington, New York, California, or Bangladesh has no bearing on the conversation that we're having right now. And so – starting off that way automatically tells the person that's interviewing interviewing you that, A, you don't know proper interviewing etiquette. And, and Pamela, you know, I know that uh, 
you know, we're talking in general, but this is a problem that older people as well as younger people have when it comes to interviewing because they don't know that there are a set of rules. Just like there there are rules for the dining table, there are rules Mm -hmm. for the interview. And if you don't know the etiquette for an interview, you're going to mess up, and guess what? They're going to take points away. So not being prepared properly and then making the interview a personal type of uh, setting versus a professional setting and adding my personality are, I guess, the, the biggest things that come to mind. What about body language? Is that it's a certain oh, thing? Is that true? The body oh. language? How important is body language oh, during an interview? It's extremely important because, you know, confidence, if I can say it like this, confidence is sexy, okay? Uh-huh. Uh, now, and there is a difference between confidence and arrogance, all right? And that's what I hear from a lot of students. They say, well, Mr. Craig, I don't want to seem or come across as being arrogant. Well, it, it, again, your tone has a lot to do with that and gestures, et cetera. But body language is so very important because you want to appear confident. At the same time, what I've also seen, and here's where people fall down, Pamela, they fall mm-hmm. down because they've got little idiosyncrasies. They've got little habits. People bounce. Uh, they shake their legs. Uh, I've had students who click their pens, and they don't realize they're mm-hmm. clicking their pen. Uh, they bang on the desk every time they want to make a point. Uh, all kinds of things that are distracting. And so that body language speaks volumes. And, and it's not just, you know, the people talk about verbal. Yeah, it is about your, your verbal, how you come across verbally, but it's how you look. How are you sitting? Are you leaning forward? Are you laying on the person's desk? Are you... Or are you sitting erect in the chair? Are you sitting with your legs crossed, with your hands in your lap for the most part, using gestures mildly uh, just to make a point where where emphasis is needed? These are the little types of things. Looking, staring up at the ceiling as if the answers are written on, on the ceiling. You know, looking mm-hmm. away from the person when you're talking. All of these things are little things, but combined, can really ruin uh, an uh, an interview. Yes, yes, and and you know I do understand the energy. Some some people go and if you're not connected, if the person doesn't, the hiring man, manager doesn't feel connected and that with the interviewer, is that could cost a job too. That could say sure. okay, they can't sit in the room with me for. 20 minutes or however you're long, they're figuring out, hey, you definitely can't sit in the office or be here from nine to five, eight hours, you know, and expect you to be able to really work along with everybody else. So that's understanding. I know sometimes the nerves comes up and everybody's nervous. And I think a lot of people know their nervous energy. They know what they do when they're nervous. And I'm sure you probably touch on that as well because you probably got someone, and you remind me of some people I know you can actually tell, you know, friends of mine, I know when they're nervous because they're shaking the leg or they're repeating exactly. themselves or they're doing something. So they know they have that. So that's something that's important that they need to really take a note of right now and try to be conscious of that going inside exactly. that. 
You made a great point about the whole 20 minutes versus eight hours in a day because here's, here's what you got to understand. Just like when we talk about buying anything, uh, one of the rules in sales is that people buy from people that they know, like, or trust. And yes. while they don't know you, they want to, you know, they want to kind of get to know you, and that's why showing a little bit of your personality is important. But here's the thing. That person sitting across from you is saying, do I want to spend eight hours a day with this guy or with this, this gal? And yes. <laughs> are they going to do something that's going to totally drive me up the wall? And it reminds me of Les Brown tells this story about a lady who came up to him after one of his uh, his speeches, and he said the lady came up and said, Mr. Brown, my son is just not motivated. He just don't have any get up and go. And Les said, I wonder where he gets that from. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So <laughs> if you could just hear some of the people presenting themselves, you're sitting there saying, oh, my gosh, if I got to listen to this all day, every day, five days a week, you know, it, it's over. I'm not going to make it. So very important that you realize, hey, they're looking to find somebody that they, that sure, you, you're a professional, you can do the job, but at the same time, somebody that's pleasant, someone that isn't going to have that nervous click, 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 click that, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm going to get tired of within the first 15 minutes of the day. Yes, yes, and it may it that it makes a whole lot of sense. You know, it does, it does. Now let's go to um, before we have to take the next break. Let's go to talking about how important is the follow up after the interview with the hiring manager. This, this is part of the etiquette. Uh, I've uh, you know, just like uh, cover letter people talk about cover letters, thank you notes. They fall in the same category. One just takes place before, one takes place afterwards. But I had a, a student who uh, actually wasn't a student. It was someone that I referred uh, for a job because I knew they qualified and, and I knew the person uh, in the HR department and passed the resume along. And uh, guess what? The person was not asked to interview. And when the HR manager followed up with the hiring manager as to why they were not asked to come in for an interview, the hiring manager said, well, they did, include, they did not include a cover letter. And mm -hmm. conversely, I, I've heard stories of people who have been disqualified, if you will, because they didn't send the thank you note. And so it's imperative. And, and during the training, again, during the training that I give, we talk about these things and we talk about how you make and hold someone, particularly that hiring manager, accountable so that you're not sitting by the phone. You, do you remember when you were young and you were dating and you were interested in someone and they said, okay, well, I'll call you tonight. And so you mm -hmm. rushed home and you, 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 you almost camped out by the phone. Every time the phone <laughs> rang, you jumped. And, and if somebody got on the phone, you told them to get, hurry up and get off the phone because I'm expecting a phone call. <laughs> And and after a certain amount of time, the phone didn't ring. You walked over and you picked it up, make sure it still had a dial tone. Yes. Listen, uh -huh. <laughs> we, we're not going to be sitting by the phone like some spurned lover, okay? We're going to hold someone accountable in their te techniques that I teach to show you how to hold someone accountable so that you're able to follow up if need be because in many cases 
you, there is no need for follow-up other than a thank you note. But if there is a need, you know who it is and you know when it should take place. And those are right. very important things. And that's something they should be getting, you know, they should be knowing everybody's name, who interview them and making sure they take Because I know a lot of people have, you know, been in their careers for a while and they probably haven't had an interview and who knows when. So it's, you know, this is something that, you know, is a little different from back in, you know, especially if you have an interview in the last 10 to 15 years. It's a little different now, you know, it's Absolutely. a little bit more competitive. And people Absolutely. really need to get themselves prepared for the market today because, you know, you know, you have so many people with the different job markets as far as Indeed and and some of those hiring men, hiring jobs and some of those apps that – so you have so many people just bombarding and loading them down, loading these employees down with, you know, with um, resumes. So you want to be able to stand out when you get into that room. You know, why should why why you why should we hire you? You know, so it's important I would believe and I'm sure you agree with me, that you make yourself stand out. So you can be oh, asked back to. again. You gotta stand out. I mean that's that's the whole premise of of my trainings is that you stand out head and shoulders above the rest because for you know, every job uh, vacancy announcement that you see there are literally hundreds and in some cases thousands of people who are, are going after that position. And, you know, worst case scenario is that you just blend in with all of the rest. So yeah. I, I teach very specific strategies uh, to, uh, to my students on how to stand out and, and uh, make themselves noticeable so that they are remembered for the right reasons. Thanks for tuning in with Taking the Lead. We're going to take a quick break and come right back with Mr. William Craig. This is Pamela Burkett-Jones, CEO and founder of Proactive Life Coaching and Consulting. I'm a certified coach, a consultant, and a trainer. I work with individuals looking to take charge of their life and become more proactive and making key decisions towards their goals and visions. Are you preparing to make a career transition and feeling stuck and unsure of where to start or deciding on your next step? Are you tired and unfulfilled in your current position or career choice in general and longing to change but feel lost and clouded in making the decision for your needs? If you decided to start or do something you always wanted to do, but you stopped in your tracks and have no energy towards moving forward. Well, I help clients gain clarity and come up with a plan to support their next action steps as you move towards your desired destination in life. You can contact me at 240-682-1314 by email at contact at proactivelife.com. You can visit my website at liveproactively.com. I'm on social media and Facebook at Proactive Life and Coaching and Consultant, Instagram at liveproactively and Twitter at LiveProactiveL1. Look forward to hearing from you soon. Thanks for hanging in there, and we're back with Mr. William Craig III. 
Mr. Craig, we had a great talk today, and, you know, as we're getting close to the end of the call, I want you to, you know, what are the top key things that you think that people need to do to get ready and prepare themselves for the interview? Wow. Well, it's amazing. The time goes by so quickly, as they say, time flies when you're having fun, right? <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> well, listen, again, I, I can't emphasize enough the, the the few points that we made today as far as, A, just being prepared. Number one point, doing your research. Doing you know, your research on you and doing your research on the company and finding out why you are the aspen for their headache. That's that's the first part. And matter of fact, you know, that's uh, I wrote a uh, an ebook that speaks to that. The the top three things that employers want you to know but won't tell you. And that's that's what I cover in that. Those those three basic points. Uh, a- after that, we're talking about presenting value and understanding what your value is, understanding how to communicate that value, and certainly the interview is, is it's the dance. Uh, as I say, the you know, everything else is the ticket to the dance. But once you get to the dance, you got to know how to dance or else you're going to be a wallflower. And so you you come to the interview knowing how to dance, meaning that you know how to have a professional conversation with that hiring manager and you share a little of your personality to let them know you're a real person, but at the same time, you're not only trying to win them over from a professional standpoint, but you're trying to get them to like you. Uh, Because, again, they are trying to figure out, do I want to spend all day, every day with this person? And and then I guess the, the biggest part of this is understanding that you've got to know those little there's a scripture in the Bible that says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. And mm-hmm. what that means is those little things that you do that you don't realize that you do, uh, being mindful of what they are so that uh, you don't blow it, so that uh, they don't get in the way, they don't become a distraction. And so uh, tying all of that up in, in a nice little bow, uh, if, if you are focused as a candidate, on those things, then, and I know we're talking in general, uh, but getting down to the specifics of it is where the training comes in. But if you cover those areas, then guess what? You're going to stand out head and shoulders above the others because the hiring manager is going to know that you have prepared yourself. Either you've been coached or you've spent some time somewhere uh, to Make yourself different from the other candidates that come in, and we didn't we didn't talk about uh, dress code. Uh, I err. I tell my students, you want to err on the side of caution, of conservatism. You want to be conservative. Doesn't matter what you see other people doing. This whole concept of dressing down and being relaxed. I had a contract with Google. I knew that if I won the contract, I was going to be working in khakis and a polo shirt. But I went in there with my suit, my tie, my white shirt on, my cufflinks, my shine shoes, and I wowed them, and I got the position. And then I had to go out and buy some khakis because I didn't own a pair of khakis. <laughs> but, but 
you know, you, you go and you set a standard. And even the millennials, because a good percentage, maybe, you know, 60% or better of the hiring managers are millennials, they will appreciate even someone who comes in dressed conservatively, even though they may be dressed down themselves. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Now, with the time we have remaining, you know, what are some of the things that you're working on now? You know, um, how we how can someone reach out to you if they want to get in touch with you and they may want to utilize some of your services? Wow, that's so kind of you. I got to tell you, it's I, I'm I'm believing that I'm walking in a, a favorable season right now. I got to tell you that, uh, and yeah. and the the phone has literally been ringing off the hook, as they say, here lately. And I'm really excited about some of the projects I'm working on with AARP Foundation. Uh, we're doing some virtual coaching uh, with them, which I have been doing on an ongoing basis. They've got a virtual career fair coming up for some of your older listeners, and I'll be a part of that as well. Uh, for younger listeners, I've been working as a, an adjunct, as you have, but I've been working at yeah. Anne Arundel uh, Community College. Uh, providing the same information for uh, students there. And I'm about to launch a home study course uh, because it can't be everywhere at the same time all the time. So uh, I'm launching a home study course. And is it okay if I uh, give my website address? Sure, sure. I encourage that, sure. All right, well, thank you. So real simple, if you just go to williamcraig3.com, that's Craig. William C R A I G the number three dot com and that'll get you a free gift. Uh, if if anybody's been listening long enough to say, "Wow, this sounds like good information. I want more," definitely go to WilliamCraig3.com. dot com. You can get uh, free access to that tool that I talked about, that ebook, and that'll get you headed in the right direction. And certainly. My contact information will be there. So if you want to get a a free 30-minute consultation with me, I'd be happy to set you in the right direction. As you know, my branding statement is I'm the guy to help you go from where you are to where you want to be. So whether you are an individual and you're looking for a new job or a better job, uh, whether you're a company, you want to help some of your employees with their soft skills or maybe uh, you need someone to help with outplacement because you're going to be laying off some folks and they you realize that they need these skills. By all means, come check me out, and uh, I'll be happy to uh, to give you a good deal and, and make sure that you get your money's worth. Great. Now, where else can they find you? What are some of your platforms that you're on, social media or um, so, any other, your email or something? Yeah, something, well, whatever. you know, I've got a Twitter account. Uh, and and William uh, William Craig three. Listen, if you the the one that I am most excited about, and this is something that I also get every student of mine to go on is LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a extremely robust tool. It is the business networking tool of choice for hundreds of millions of people around the world. And if you don't have a LinkedIn profile, I suggest you get one. Again, that's one of the things that I cover in the training. I show you how to do it right. One of my students actually went through my course, and as a result of it, she went on to get further training in LinkedIn and started her own business 
as a LinkedIn consultant. And so that's just how powerful it is. But you can find me on LinkedIn, put in William Craig III. And also, uh, let's see, what is the other one with Shay? LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, and uh, gosh, I guess those those are the two that uh, I, I would really say make the most sense. Uh, I, I've got a Facebook page, but I'm hardly ever there because that part of social media just isn't intriguing to me anymore, and I use it to keep in touch with family and, and friends. But professionally, definitely LinkedIn as well as uh, uh, WilliamCraig3.com. Well, Mr. Craig, I truly, truly enjoyed you being here today and talking with me. And you're not off the hook because I know you <laughs> work with professionals at every level. And you work with a, 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 a level that's kind of dear into near to me, into my okay. heart, is 45 plus. Oh, so yeah. So I really want to bring you back on to let's talk about the job market for individuals of 45 plus and how they could prepare themselves for um, the next for their new career or next career or whatever they want to do, so I want to bring you back on. Are you okay with that? Absolutely, that's, that's wonderful, wonderful. I am looking forward to that, and I just want to thank you for being here, and I want to thank my guests for joining in with us today. And everybody, tune back in, taking the lead podcast where you become the first on your priority list. We'll see you next Thursday at seven p.m.